0: you'll be
2: amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chad on Score North and scorenorth.com. It, it's not really a
0: disconnect. Uh, you know, like I, I, I talked to him uh, on the play we got sacked on. It was first in possession. I talked to him before that. I said, Clint, we got to run the ball here. And he was going to run it on second down, thinking that he had a good play on first down. And then, you know, then it's on second down at second and twenty. And so a lot of things like that happen. Uh, sometimes he doesn't hear me when he's calling a play in because you push the button and he he can't hear me. He can only hear what he's saying. So there's some things like that that go on throughout the course of the game.
2: That's great. are you kidding? Are, <laughs> are you
0: serious, dude? What? Yeah, you can't hear him. Go all the time. away, dude. Buttons are being pushed. <laughs> People are talking. There's orders up for French on, fries man. on line one, hamburgers on line uh, two, play the calls crowd, online, It's right?
2: tough, man. Yeah. Sometimes you know? like, you know, my assistant who carries my cords and follows me around, sometimes I'll yeah. step on the cord and it causes a short. And so I'll miss a couple words and I'll have to elbow him and say, Hey, Fred, get off get off the cord. I can't
0: I Why can't hear. The, Mike just come out and say the truth. I hate offense. I (laughs) hate freaking offense.
2: Dude, did you ever, God, you see these, these clips of like, you know, Tom Brady with Josh McDaniels back when he was with the Patriots or Sean McVay talking with Matthew Stafford or, you know, whoever. And it's these high level intellectual discussions about offense and you get this guy Mike Zimmer and his basically like his intern offensive coordinator, (laughs) who was the wide receivers coach at Kansas five years ago. And uh, yeah, I told him we need to run the ball. But then he said he had a play call for a first down, and we're going to run the ball on second down. Oh. And then uh, there was some feedback in my
0: headphones, and I I lost how communication. Times, how many times can you go back to that well, too? Like, like this has been a reoccurring theme of the Zim Show for, like, four or five years now, the run the ball theme. How long can you go back till somebody finally says, Mike, if that's what you want, um, that's a game plan thing. Like, like that's not a sudden... Hey, that should never be a sudden. Hey, in Clint, game. Clint, can you hear me?
1: Run, what, is this thing on? Somebody. We got a It's like, Mike, hello, power, Mike. power up the middle.
2: Power. Mike, is that you? Dude, he's like he he is. We've all had bosses in our lives that, you know, they'll like they're not paying any attention to the details and they'll just drive by or whatever and be like, uh, you guys should do this. And we're like, uh, we've been planning this with like maybe you should drop in but, at a meeting once in a while. Like, Zimmer's just, like, avoiding offensive discussions and meetings throughout the week, and he's just pissed off and driving by in the third quarter and being like, Hey! Hey! Let's run the ball! His run ability, the ball! Clint's like, I don't know, can you even name one of our offensive play calls, Mike? Which run play should we call? Say the name of the play. Let's see. Let's quiz you.
0: Mike." Mike's longstanding ability, though, to um, to throw his OCs under the postgame bus is really impressive, and... and the thing about this one that's incredible is like this guy's a kid he's a kid Clint Kubiak's a kid and and Mike is acting like i mean this is the this is the De Filippo show two It's the same act. I told him run the ball more. We gotta run the ball more and and he he was asked specifically about that yesterday and said, well, um we we ran the ball I, I think a total like twelve times and threw it like forty. Yeah, because you were then, down twenty to nothing and, after five minutes. But that is explanation. Guy. But but then, and this is what I love about Mike—the honest part of of Mike. I I just wish that we got this in totality more. Mike says, Mike says what we all what we all basically have said. He comes out and says, "Our two best players are Dalvin and Justin. All due respect to Mannion, but we have to use our two best players more." In a game. Dude, he is is hilarious, though.
2: uh, This is actually a good segue here, too. So Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment Therapy, uh, whatever you need us for. And uh, every Tuesday, we go through who gets it, who doesn't. I'm going to start us off here with a who gets it. Kalen Kaler from Defector.com. So Defector.com, I believe, is the spinoff, the guys who left Deadspin at the end of that. I mean, Deadspin's still around, but, like, the original version of Deadspin. I believe some of those writers spun off Defector.com. I'm, mm-hmm. like, 80% sure on that.
1: A lot of the guys, are a lot of the old writers are at least are there. Yeah.
2: Okay, okay. And uh, the title of this article is Just How Big of a Problem is Nepotism in NFL Coaching? And the first, like, thousand words are two anonymous sources within the Vikings organization ripping Mike Zimmer and the organization for for nepotism, mostly for Adam Zimmer having a defensive coordinator title, but Clint Kubiak also is a subject here. So I'm just going to read you some of this. Feel free to stop me. This is really interesting, but it's shining a light on, I think, one of the biggest problems with the Vikings. I mean, Listen, we're wrong a lot on this show as you find out every Wednesday with write that down and the accountability section. But one thing we talked about last summer, even going back to, you know, like the draft time. Are you sure you want to run this thing back with a 34-year-old inexperienced offensive coordinator who was the wide receivers coach at Kansas 5 years ago? Is that really like in a win-now season, you got a veteran quarterback, coach on the hot seat? It's time to go, time to make a Super Bowl run, and you're going to experiment with Gary Kubiak's kid, right? Right. So here's the article. When George Edwards' previous defensive coordinator's contract ran out after 2019, Mike Zimmer had a job to fill. In an unusual move, he promoted two internal candidates to share the role as co-defensive coordinators. One was 59-year-old Andre Patterson with 16 years of experience as an NFL defensive line coach which he's excellent at, and another 21 years in high school and college football as a head coach, defensive coordinator, and assistant coach. Mm -hmm. The other candidate was Adam Zimmer, Mike's 36-year-old son with six years experience as an NFL position coach and eight years as an NFL assistant. Quote from someone in the organization, no effing reason Adam should be a defensive coordinator. Nobody disliked him, but nobody ever thought he would be the coordinator. Let's put it that way. Everybody knows why Adam is there. They all know. What's the term? Nepotism, right? Big Zim promoted little Zim. Mm-hmm. That's from someone
0: close to the situation. So that one. Now, now let's break these down, too, Phil a little bit because i think the d the dc promotions and the oc are very different and worth discussing um i think the angst about adam being promoted rightfully so was was the the title because patterson deserves like he 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 goes back to his first stint as a viking assistant was with denny in the late 90s yeah john Um,
2: and chris dolman yeah
0: but 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 if we're going to be honest about this, he could have promoted you to to D- DC. Like like he doesn't he doesn't per, he permits Adam to do things when it doesn't matter. He's basically a gopher. and Patterson uh, has a voice and is a very good defensive line coach. But nobody other than Mike is DC. But so some think, of its some of its perception, though. That's what I'm saying. I think the angst there is the perception, and Patterson just flat out deserved the title. But make no mistake, it's a title. So in that case, in that case, Mike is sending a bad message. Uh, but everything that's wrong with this defense is on Mike. And so always has been. Or the there, good is on Mike, too.
2: There's a second source here, and it's a former player who played for the Vikings. So I'll read you a couple more sentences here. Patterson had been coaching football since 1982 and coaching in the NFL since 1997. He'd never been named defensive coordinator in the league. Patterson's own son is also on the Viking staff as an assistant running backs coach. So he isn't one to throw stones in the glass stadium, but the for, but uh, a former Vikings player described Andre Patterson's promotion alongside the much less experienced Adam. Let's promote both of you guys, even <laughs> though one of you has been in the league for 25 years, right? Uh, this former player characterized it as a slap in the face So Mike Zimmer calls defensive plays during games, but allows Adam to call plays during practice. It's some cute bleep so he can feel some type of way, the former player said about Adam. Patterson, a powerful speaker, is the one who addresses the defense and at times the full team. This past April, Patterson was promoted again, this time adding assistant head coach to his co-defensive coordinator title, probably to make him feel better, a second source close to the team said. Um you have to achieve at such a high level and you look at Andre Patterson he's performed at a high level every time and he can't get a sniff and Adam just had to stick around they aren't even in the same weight class yet they have the same title end quote from a source
0: right right but- this
2: is like when we talk about this team having some weird juju and the chemistry feels off and it just feels like you know a bunch of dudes clocking and clocking out this is a small thing but this is the type of thing that gets people just, like, worked up and pissed off behind the scenes about the head coach.
0: Well, and, and, you know, I'm sure Andre Patterson was very pleased and didn't care about sharing the title because his kid got a job, too. That's the problem here. Everybody got a job. Your kid gets a job. Your kid – it's it's basically an, an Oprah episode. You get a job. You get a job, too. Hey, you're going to get a job. So, so – and if I'm the old man and my kid's going, going – to, to get a job and i have to share a title with a kid to do that um i'm with you to me this one all about perception all about perception yeah like but if, under, you're, if you're in that the locker it's not worse Be- because those two do do their small job and mike is mike is the guy when the defense is going well Zimmer's a genius, and when it's not, it's on Mike.
2: Well, the defense might not be worse because ultimately, yeah, Mike like those are he, Mike Zimmer's delegating some of the details through the through the week, like go look at this piece of film. But Mike Zimmer's calling the plays and stuff Correct. in the game, so I get that. But it probably throws the chemistry of the team off if multiple sure. players and there's people quoted in this article that maybe maybe from like a it says former player, so it's probably not someone on the 2021 team unless it's Bashad Breeland, but somebody in the locker room thinks boy Andre Patterson's getting a raw deal here why is this like i don't hate Adam Zimmer but who the hell is this guy right. like why why am i listening to him right and then and then and then guys start to bitch about it behind the scenes and you can see how it would erode culture Clint Kubiak i think is actively making the offense worse because That's, he is an unqualified exa- offensive coordinator exactly. on a team that needs someone to be the head coach of the offense exactly
0: yeah yeah the Kubiak one is is a stupid move the the zimmer patterson patterson's kid one is a question is a questionable move that that i think people look at and they they're like really um the kubiak one is a flat out dumb stupid somebody should have stopped it move like like there's no question about it there's no question about it um we questioned it but even we didn't come close to say, and this is going to be a train. I mean, this is a train wreck, and I don't care what the offensive stats say. Don't gi- give me a break.
2: Well, they're seventeenth um, in uh, in EPA, which is sort of an all-encompassing offensive efficiency stat, and they're sixteenth in yards per play.
0: Yeah, I, and so, they're
2: fourteenth in scoring. So they're I mean, like they're not a top ten offense. They should be.
0: Mike Mike is, in my opinion, Mike went a long way towards signing his his uh, Minnesota Vikings coaching death certificate with that move what like whoever allowed that the zimmer thing it's like okay your kid that's not smart but we all know that you're a complete control freak on defense uh the offensive one to me just sends i mean there's nothing good about it there's nothing there's no saving it you know again mike is mike is treating and here here's the thing that, that is scary about it mike is treating clint like a real a real oc like, he's, he's telling him the same crap that he did. You know, got to run more. Got to do this. It's like, Mike, do you realize this kid is drowning? He's dry. He can't do this.
2: I mean, they're literally, like, the, the first seven or eight games of the season, the TV broadcast crews, almost all of them, week yeah. by week, would talk about how Clint's just getting used to the flow of play calling for the first time and, you know, trying to slow things down as a play caller. It's like, that's what we're talking about here in a season in which the expectations are high. Really? No, I think I think Zimmer had it right many years with many different guys where he would bring in a former head coach, an experienced, established coordinator, Pat Shermer, North Turner, Gary Kubiak. I mean, Kevin Stefanski wound up becoming a head coach, but he said with all almost all those guys, right, it was you are the head coach of the offense, basically. So just keep me in the loop. I definitely want us to run the ball a lot, so just know that. And um, each one of them departed quickly for different reasons. I mean, North Turner was a weird falling out. We still don't know that full story. Right. He just, like, they had I, – I don't know if they've talked since. There was some friction there. Uh, Gary Kubiak was maybe on the verge of retiring anyways, but we don't know that whole story either. Pat Shermer got a head coaching job, so can't blame him for
0: that. The Gary one is really weird too, Phil, because I feel like – so So Mike, rightfully so, didn't trust Stefanski – fully at that time and it's like he got his buddy to come in but his buddy said if i do this mike i'll do you the solid here my kid has to replace me um because if you're rick spielman or hell the wilfs wouldn't you have have looked at the at the flip um hiring and subsequent firing and and i I mean john was a young guy who had far more experience than clint did um, but that was the moment that I said, offensively, unless there's a buffer like a Gary Kubiak, you this guy probably can't work with young minds when it comes to offense because he outsources it almost completely. So Stefanski's a pleasant surprise, but Stefanski had a buffer too. So who didn't say to your point again, going into a you know no excuses, huge expectations year. Who didn't say okay? I understand, Mike. That you promised Gary some things, uh, but that being said, like this is ripe not to work.
2: Well, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, you talk about a buffer. It'd be nice if you had a veteran quarterback leader who could act as that buffer between the head coach and the coordinator and help collaborate and get involved in game planning. But you like that? You like that? he just works here. It's
0: maddening. All right, who gets it? Who doesn't? So, so stupid. Dex, go ahead. Sure. I'll
1: go ahead. I'll go with the Who doesn't get it? <clears throat> <clears throat> and uh, this is a little rehash from Judd and I's conversation on our comments edition on the Purple Daily channel from yesterday. Because uh, I saw a lot of these comments, and that's why we led with the episode with it. But I think it's worth bringing up again to this show, and it's calling Kellen Mond a bust. Um, without even rehashing what Mike Zimmer had to say, which was a very unfair and an unwarranted comment, I don't think it's fair to label a third-round pick who's in his rookie season a bust nor do I think it should be just a black and white approach when you're talking about a third-round pick also being a bust. He was the 66th pick in the draft. So 65 guys in front of him were selected. And the odds of Mod even being a viable starting quarterback were against him, right? Like, I mean, he was going to be a project. He was obviously going to sit behind Kirk. There was going to be no solution where mon was going to step in, most likely into 2021, and contribute. He had to develop it a little bit. Um, I just think we're so quick sometimes to label guys bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. When kind of look at the context of where that pick was made, who is selecting that player? Like Laquan Treadwell, that's a bust. Garrett Bradbury trending to being a bust. It it,
2: Treadwell, Treadwell's uh, having a nice little season for the Jaguars the bit. last month and a
1: half. I'm just saying popping just up saying. a little bit. I think if you earn, like I think the the safest way to say you're not a bust is if number one, if you're a first round pick, and you basically earn a second multi-year contract, like like Trey Wayne's. I know has been hurt for Cincinnati, but like Trey Wayne's was a nice serviceable cornerback for the Vikings. He earned a second contract with Cincinnati that was a multi-year deal. Like I think we're just sometimes so quick to say he's a bust and he's a quarterback, so he was supposed to help out and he was supposed to contribute. Well, hold on here. Look at the context of where, of where the pick was made. Let's not just run and jump that he's a bust, even if he's going to look a little horrendous in his first rookie season being the scout team quarterback.
2: Well, I think, yeah, I think for a third round pick quarterback, the bar for whether he pans out or not is really like, can he become a viable backup quarterback? Cause mm-hmm. there's, there's not that many guys third round and later that become multi-year starting quarterbacks. And so I think the hope, like the bare the bare minimum hope for Mond would be, can he be the Vikings backup quarterback for like, five or eight years or something. That would be amazing if he was like a five or eight year backup quarterback with the upside to maybe start if, right. if he fully develops, but there's no way he's going to fully develop under the current Vikings infrastructure, which I don't think is going to be around in a week from now anyways. But then, then you know, you, you look at all these people are sending screenshots um, of Kellen Mond liking tweets that show how crappy Zimmer's comments were after the game. I mean, you know, people are tweeting like, you know, boy Zimmer, this is one of the like most cold, callous things anyone's ever said about a player, and like Kelamon is liking those posts on social media. So he sees that his head coach is a buffoon who doesn't know offense and who flies off the handle at a postgame press conference. You just kind of hope that he sees it and it hasn't derailed his chances to
0: to become a viable NFL player, but we'll see. All right. Who does not get it? I am going to stick with the football theme and stick with quarterbacks. But in this particular case, this quarterback is now a a very notable analyst in college football, and this occurred on Saturday. Kirk Herbstreit, did did you guys hear the comment yeah. um, d- during it was a the oh and but I mean it really was because it was so it was so self serving and stupid d- during the um, bowl pregame shows on on New Year's Day. Kirk Herbstreit, and to a certain degree, Phil Mackey's favorite guy, Desmond Howard, had a conversation about players now not playing in bowl games, and they don't love the game like we did. And they are pulling out of these games, and, and the passion is lacking like we had it. And then, so so one... One, they never broached the subject of coaches, Brian Kelly, yeah. who happened to just leave their schools. Like Brian and, Kelly
2: skipped out on the whatever yes. bowl game that was, right? The and, that's coaches,
0: and that's what coaches do. Um, and then in, I believe it was the final bowl game of the day, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, who's expected to be a fairly high draft pick gets hurt. Now I believe it was a sprained ankle, but at the time it looked bad. And, and of course he had, he had doubled down and I guess good for him had said, I could sit out this game, but I'm not going to, I love my team. I love my sport. So like he did everything that Kirk Street wants and he got hurt. Yeah, And, and so, that, but I mean, this comment without weighing both sides and what coaches do, and I would, I don't blame any player unless they were to pull out of a bowl game that had national title implications. I don't blame any kid who says, you know what? It's been a great run. I'm done now. Um, But these comments to me were so basically um, ESPN puts on a ton of bowl games. They own them. We like to show the best players available when guys sit out, we can't. And therefore, I love the game and they don't. That is, I don't get it.
2: They're not getting a, I get that they're getting scholarships, but, you know, that's kind of the bare minimum. This is, this is a multi billion dollar right. professional sport, basically. It's a multi billion dollar sport. And uh, these bowl games are just like the biggest cash grabs ever because the title of the sponsor is literally baked into the name of the bowl and it's all over the field and stuff. It's, it's all about capitalism and sponsorship money. And that's fine. But, These players aren't getting paid by that entity. Now, they can make money, name image likeness money, so it's a little different now in that like, maybe it does make sense to flash in a bowl game so that you can get an extra $500,000 on a shoe deal or something, but that's a personal decision. You're not being paid by your school or by the NCAA to play in that game. And so if you've built up enough credibility to be a number one draft pick or a first or second round pick and make life-changing money... Why would you risk giving that up? Why would you risk falling, you know, due to an ACL tear from like the 3rd overall pick to a 3rd
0: round guy and lose out on millions of dollars? And, and those ball games, to be clear, outside of the playoff games mean nothing. Mm-hmm. They are glorified exhibition games that are cash grabs. But you could even argue that the the playoff games are like it's
2: all, you know, how far do you want to take this? Like the playoff games are also this massive
0: But I would like to win But if you give me a chance to to win a legitimate championship, but, but I mean, this is, the rest of those games are literally NFL preseason games. Like, Mm -hmm. there's nothing at stake. Playing makes no sense. And for him to, to say, like, well, these guys, they don't love the sport. I mean, if I have a chance to be drafted, we are not going to play in a preseason exhibition like the game.
2: Like if I tell you, all right, so you through the last four or five years, you have played so well and you've built up such a great resume and enough credibility to where we think you're going to be a top 10 or 15 draft pick and you're instantly going to get 10 to $20 million guaranteed life changing money over the course of the next five years. But if you play in this game, there's like a five percent chance you could tear your ACL and maybe fall out of the first round, and you'll still get drafted, and you'll still have a chance to play in the NFL. But you know, maybe you're not the same player when you come back, and it might it might cut millions and do- millions and millions of dollars off your earnings. But if you get if if you take you know you play in that game, and there's a ninety five percent chance you don't get hurt, you could hoist the Fiesta Bowl MVP, right? Like,
0: right? Who right. cares? <laughs> exactly.
2: I side with players. Make your own decision. Would I play? Probably. I don't know. Like if I love the game, I could be a first
0: or second round pick. I for sure would advise you not to play.
2: And that's fine. As As your agent, you can. As your agent, I
0: would tell you you're not playing in that game (laughs) because we're going to make more money in the NFL, baby.
2: Uh, Who doesn't get it? This is probably the seventh time I've put this combination on my uh, "Who doesn't get it" list: Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred. So uh, Ken Rosenthal, who's one of the the great sports journalists in this country, just likable, credible. He's one of the best insiders in sports in America, and he works for The Athletic, he works for Fox, and he works for MLB Network, or worked for MLB Network. They fired him yesterday because of multiple critical pieces he has wrote over the last couple years about Rob Manfred and various uh, situations that he has mishandled. And so you've got again. This is like there's a whole conversation here about state-run sports media, Vikings.com and MLB.com. It's like, yeah, like I'm not saying there's not valuable content that's entertaining or whatnot that come out of these state-run sports platforms. Mm -hmm. But the minute that someone is critical at all, and Ken Rosenthal is not just like slinging personal attacks, like Ken Rosenthal is a great sports journalist. Boom, canned. No longer can you find Ken Rosenthal on MLB Network, and I just think that's ridiculous. So, yay, third-party journalism, yay, objectivity, and yay, holding people accountable. Boo, state-run sports media. Well,
0: but I mean, baseball too. It, this is a this is a pending disaster. This is a. I mean, this league still is locked out, and I know I, I know it's it's January, and I know that you know spring training wouldn't start for what a month and. A month and change but this is a pen this is a pending disaster because this means that rob manford is actually involved in the firing of a guy who's been critical and by the way i went back and looked and it's not like he didn't torch him he he basically questioned things and so what we're talking about is a commissioner and this is what i keep saying he is bracing us and he is trying to get ahead of a work stoppage that's going to go on for months like he wants, he wants people out who question it because it's going to get worse, not better.
2: Of course, it's ridiculous because Ken Rosenthal is going to have a lot more people watching his work on Fox Fox Sports One and Absolutely. reading in the Athletic than you know the five people that watch MLB Network this, during the winter. So
0: I don't know about Dex. This reminds this reminds me more and more of the path that that hockey went down in two thousand four or five, and they mm-hmm. lost an entire season. Like this reminds but me But we about, gained shootouts. So maybe we'll get a whole exactly. derby yeah. after each and that's derby. baseball game. That's what they're saying, Phil. I, I guarantee you. I, and I guarantee you privately, they are looking at what hockey did and the good that came from that. And make no mistake, hockey broke the players. There's an escrow tax now. They can literally go to this day. If they don't play enough games, they withhold salary. I'm just saying, this is a that the, what you just said as a don't get it is completely true, and I'm on board. But I think that there's a bigger story here off of things like this that if you're a baseball fan, is so concerning.
2: Ken Rosenthal should just switch to the NFL or the NBA, just become an insider for. A He's too small for basketball. He couldn't. I mean, I,
0: hey, what's up, Shaq? What's going on?
2: Uh, Dex, do you want to hit us with one more? Or should yeah. we get to the – because I know you had one that we were going to shove oh, yeah. into.
1: I'll, I'll say ahead. who quickly who gets it as we were talking off mic. Uh, Netflix programming for bringing back two absolute classic staples that they have. Number one, Cobra Kai, which launched yes. on New Year's Eve, which I, I haven't got into, so but good. that's going to be my Tuesday evening plans is a lot of Cobra Kai tonight. Uh, and also Queer Eye, the latest season of Queer Eye in Austin, Texas. If you have not, not discovered until you've Queer watched Eye it. –
2: It's a great show.
1: All right. a like this. Karama will tear down your walls and make you cry and make you feel like a, a bad person. <laughs> Jonathan is just if if you if you don't like uplifting people, there's something wrong with you. And I'll say this: Bobby gets the least amount of credit. This dude, Bobby, is remodeling an entire home, ripping out drywall, and like Karamo is giving you thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. like and, and like all of them are very important and integral to the part of the show. But I'll say my guy Bobby does not get enough credit. He's out here remodeling an entire home, and Anthony's like cooking up marinated chicken. Like it's okay, on, it's,
2: it's absurd on 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 Cobra Kai. I haven't seen season four. I think I think it's season four that yes, came four. out, right? Mm-hmm. But they brought back. I saw one of the promos. So Karate Kid Part Three. Yeah, where he gets duped. It's weird because like the timing doesn't make sense. He like has already graduated high school. I feel like, and then he like, goes back to the All Valley tournament because he runs into this uh, ponytailed sensei guy, evil ponytailed sensei guy you guys remember this at all from Karate no, Kid 3? No, here? I don't been even so know. It's so long saw since I've seen Part 3. three. Okay. So he's fully gray now. I don't know that he's even been in any movies in the last, like, 15 years. I'll go check his IMDb. But, like, that guy comes back for Season 4. I know it means nothing to you guys because you no. apparently haven't seen Karate Kid part
1: And
0: is
2: 3, that good
0: or is that a mistake? I think it's a mistake. I don't
2: okay, know. Okay, I, curious, I, think was, where, I don't think he was a good character. I,
1: I'm more here. invested yeah. in, like, all the, like, the actual kids. So, like, I like Tori a lot. I like uh, I, I like I like Johnny's uh, Johnny's kid. I like I like all of, of the kids that are involved. So I'll see how this vi- like you know the new villain is added with crease, But I I am excited to Allie watch. Allie with an
0: four. eye if she's on, I'll watch.
1: She was on. She was on. Three. I know yeah, she was on three. Yeah yeah. I saw
0: that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah She's played a she's great. integral role. So all
2: right, there it is who gets it, who doesn't every week on Mackie and Judd, uh, daily Minnesota sports entertainment, and uh, I just have three words for Judd. Get the flag.
1: Get the flag, Judd. Get the Judd, flag.
2: Get the
0: flag. Hold on. Hold on. You know because what I... we have breaking
2: Minnesota Wild news. Their two top prospects, Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi, are coming up to the big leagues. Listen, you guys know what this is all about, right? Right? What's it all about? Spurgy? Hard
0: work and having fun.
2: that. This is about f-ing winning. Yes. Winning. W-I-N-N-I-N-G. Winning. That's right. Yeah, these two guys are coming up to save the day because the Wild hasn't won a game in a month. <laughs> so I know they've only played like five There's times. But... Five games. And you guys touched on the possibility of this on Judd's Hockey Show yesterday, which people can find. But uh, this breaking wild news presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is all about risk management. You think about top line and generating more revenue as a business owner. Well, Federated's here to help block against risks. They are the goaltender. They are the offensive line. They are here to give you peace of mind as a business owner. Find out more about how Federated can help you maximize the success of your business at federatedinsurance.com. And remember at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. What does this mean now that it is uh, apparently official according to multiple reports? The Athletic, I think, was first on this. What does it mean? How impactful could these two young studs be?
0: Uh, Well, the, the first one in Boldy, as Dex and I talked about on Judd's Hockey Show yesterday, I think we both agree he's ready so so he could mean power play success I don't think he had a lot to gain unless I'm totally wrong here uh by remaining in the minors so I think he's set to pop and and contribute rossi I'm curious about um he's smaller he's super talented but I mean this league is very tough um i i don't i don't know exactly i the the upside of of rossi here phil could be enormous i mean he i he brings uh, an immense skill set is he ready for this right now um i'm not positive but what it means for for now is possibly huge because it does take two first round draft picks and plugs that them in immediately on thursday against boston and remember dex you know bill Guerin said this in, in fact i think friend of the show he he came on an episode of jhs and he basically said, Phil, if these two guys are coming up at any point, they're going to play. So, like, this is not, they're not fourth line guys. We're not going to gradually ease them in. And if, if and when they play for us, they are going to play. So, so in a time where it's, it's difficult to get started because of all the COVID postponements, in a time where the team is definitely not playing its best and we can debate why, I think it means one thing. Hold I on. think it means. Hold on. Yep. Yeah. I good. think it means excitement. I think it means excitement. Excitement. To e come e x
2: Spence. c i t e m e n t. Excitement. Excitement. W i n n i n g. So that
0: you can all earning. R- so that you can all r e l a
1: x. Right. I mean, yeah, the Wild haven't won a game in their last five tries. It's been almost a calendar whole month since they've actually won a game. Uh, that's obviously mostly due to the postponements because of COVID, but uh, th- they need the shot in the arm, and to the point of them playing significant minutes, I mean, they'll have to. Joel Eric's an X out at, for at least a, a week or so, if not more. Jordan Greenwood was placed on the COVID list just yesterday, so you're down two pretty key cogs in your lineup for forwards. Uh, I, I agree with Judd. I mean, Boldy looks ready. Boldy was a prolific player in college and pretty much dominated the AHL in about 30-game sample size. Rossi's, I'm curious on, just because, uh, you know, he had the health scare last year. He basically sat out the entire year after he got COVID and got myocarditis. So he came back into the league in the AHL and he's dominating. He's a ninth overall pick. He has even a higher pedigree. Uh, you can make a case than Boldy does. But the, the Wild have, like, now at Eck is injured, their best center is Ryan Hartman, who's having a very nice year. But after that, I mean, you'd have to rely on Victor Rask, Nico Sturm, Nick Bugstead to play significant minutes for you down the middle of the ice. And the Wild have gotten off to such a nice start to the season that they have a cushion to a degree, but they will not go very far if those were their four forwards going into a playoff series.
2: I kind of love this, man. I, I, do wonder, I do wonder, like you guys, okay, how much of this is a short-term burst versus, I mean, I, are they both going to stay up? Um it sounds like your points are valid that Boldy might be more ready than Rossi, but this is the type of move that in in they do that baseball this happens all the time, hockey where if you can get a jolt mid season, it could be really, really helpful. And it'll be interesting to see. I, I'd be curious to hear your guys' line combinations, your ideal combinations uh-huh. of what this could look like over the next few games. Have you guys done this on Judd's Hockey Show now? No, You've but done the done. line com- oh, my not gosh. this one.
1: And line combinations no, are a staple of Judd's Hockey Show. Some people yeah. mock let's line combinations. It. Not at it's all. It's reckless speculation. It is. It's 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 reckless it's line stories. combinations.
2: All right, give me your give me your line combos. What do you what are you drawing up here? Couple of couple of Dinos. Take the so, clipboard.
1: So let,
0: hey Dex, look, let's go with this. Okay, let's go let's go with what we think, but also what Dean will do because mm. I think that I think Dean is going to leave. Hartman. Yep. Between Zuccarello and Kaprizov. Uh-oh. So Kaprizov is not going to get Rossi. Correct. Um, I right. do th- I do think Fiala gets Rossi. Ooh. Dex, your thoughts? He should. I, he I, I would
1: personally put Rossi and Boldy together. I would keep them together. They were playing together and in Fiala. Iowa, and I'd put Kevin on their right, and now all of a sudden I, you're, you're talking about, like at least in theory, okay. a legitimate, fun top six.
2: That kind of worked for a couple of games when the Timberwolves called up the Iowa Wolves basically when they had a bunch of guys out with COVID and yeah. like Jalen Jalen Noel and Nate Knight, like these guys played together in training camp and in yep. practice and the in, difference um, here Iowa. is this
0: is, is this. These two, like if these two both click, they're staples now. They ain't never going back. So so like if these guys if these guys come up and and click and they're playing well, that's it. They're here. And so now when guys start to come back, it creates a glorious problem of, oh, where, does, where do guys play now? Too much talent. Too much, well, and I hesitate to say that because <laughs> guys are going to get, get hurt. But, but, like, I mean, this is going to provide, first and foremost, best case, this is going to provide um, a short-term sugar high of excitement. But really best case, they never go back down. And they're here. And they're not here for, oh, they've done a nice job. Marco Rossi's on the third or fourth line. Isn't this cute? He plays. And he plays a lot. And now he's threatening jobs. Hold on. Get the flag. I can't believe we're talking like this. What's happened to me?
2: S T A N L E Y. C U P. What does that spell, Declan?
0: Stanley Cup. <laughs> Took me a little bit. Tell me when I can stop. Tell me when I can stop. Took I'm me a little tired. bit. I'm getting
1: tired. I saw the I saw Declan's gears turn. Wait a second. S and a T. Stump Wheel of Fortune would not be a good game for me. That would be the worst possible situation. Um, I think I think continuing down the list, I would I would keep. Uh, 'cause th- the problem is with-, with Greenway being out and Eck being out, you have to put Felino somewhere and, and Felino's been with Eck and Greenway for the majority of the season. They were together last year. I think I think you slide Felino down Judd with Nico Sturm and probably Duhame. I think that's what mm, I would go for a third line. You could maybe put Pitlick up for Duhame's spot. I could make I could hear a case for that. Uh but Pitlick hasn't still played a lot. I've liked when he's been in the lineup, but he hasn't been in the, the lineup a ton. And then at yeah. my, my like my fourth line roundup would yeah would be Bukestad, Rask, and slide in whoever you want for the for the other player.
0: I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a prediction because the the one thing that they say of course is you know like we don't have lines as far as we don't put you know first line, second line. Here's my prediction for Thursday. I think Foligno. Now that I think about it, I think he goes on the right side. Fiala's on the left side, and and uh, Rossi is the center, and I think Boldy probably goes to what would be the third line, but they're going to say that's not the third line. I don't think they would put Felino down to, into the technically third line yet, so, but that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean that Boldy wouldn't play a lot. So I who do does
1: Boldy play, play with then in that, that scenario?
0: So he's gonna have to be, um, he's gonna have to be on a line that would probably be centered by Sturm, yeah. Like initially, that. yeah, I don't either. But I don't think they're gonna move Felino down to the Sturm line, and and I think that they'll see the upside of giving Rossi two veterans, including one mm-hmm. in Felino, who's an alternate captain and is a really good uh, locker room slash guy that that can help out. So, just a prediction. I'm trying to think how Dean thinks. Because, I mean, I, I in lots of ways, am a, you know, former third-line, fourth-line grinder, and we think in ways that that really try and bring out the best in people, unlike Mike. (laughs) Is that how you picture? Have you seen my fourth? Have you seen Victor Ask play? That's how you picture your adolescence like, that yeah. you,
2: were, you were just a third line grinder bride, in, the, in, on, in, the, in the lunch Polino. line. At I'm recess. a Marcus
0: Fellino. Throwing I, an elbow yeah. for that extra marinara oh, sauce. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, uh, I fought. I was a good fighter in grade school once I got to high school. So I you know. were a bully not a bully i was the biggest kid in my class and i at times had to defend my classmates
2: you you were the biggest kid in your class and you would i didn't bully altercations involving people that didn't concern you that's called being a bully
0: no no let me let me clear this up because that 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 is you batman are you fighting vigilante i had to fight i had to i at times (laughs) in recess had to fight kids who who challenged my classmates
2: how would those kids how would those kids get your attention would there be like a my buddies would come up
0: no, my buddies would come come up and say this guy wants to fight me, and then a lot of times I would step yeah. in and say I'll take Dex, care of instead it. Instead
2: of the bat signal, it would just be like a signal of a half-eaten cheeseburger that yeah. would go up on the wall at Benilde.
0: Wasn't Benilde? Okay, let me be very clear here. Yeah, you, let that, me be That would fly at Benilde. Once I got no, once I got to high school, I would have got my ass kicked. No, Saint Therese, Deep Haven, the seventies. So like
1: sixth grade. Two touchdowns were- yeah, though. A good fi- as a I smaller, was good as a smaller kid growing up, and yeah. even smaller adult uh i always made friends with the older and bigger dudes for these exact reasons and it always yeah paid the off. judge yes. Smart play yeah, yeah. play. But I, had, uh, but
0: I wasn't a bully i didn't pick on kids who didn't deserve it what i did was i provided justice in a bronson like way to kids that asked for it
2: as a as a diminutive fellow myself throughout my life uh I, one of my best friends growing up was like six foot five and eventually had tattoos once he got to college Oh, and I remember there was a couple times when old Macadac was uh, was feeling himself, you know, might go talk to a girl in a group or something, you know, before she found out that uh, old Mackadak was a douche. And then, like like guys would get mad, and my six foot five buddy would always come over and, uh, gentlemen, do we have a problem here? No, we're good. Actually, it's yep. great. See, you always got to have your you got to yeah. have your well, your goon, You guys
0: you? used guys like me, and you, I'm not a, I wasn't a bully. <laughs> we are just making uh, sure. Yeah, oh no no no. Uh, the hockey That's
2: whisperer does have one. One concern that he has brought up before, but in uh, in really breaking down the game logs here, so uh, our guy Cam Talbot has now played in 24 games, and in one third of those games, he's allowed four or more goals. So one in every three times, he's now I'm not saying it's it's not always all on the goaltending, mm-hmm. but um, one in every three games when he is the starting goaltender. It's a four spot, a five spot, or more. He's given up six goals twice. Uh, I don't. Know. And both 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 of those six goal games are in the last two weeks too.
0: Right. Uh, Jack, you take this. Well, well so ah, he
1: whisper is
2: not loving this. Talk he's
1: now spot. out with a lower body injury. He got hurt in the Winter Classic, so he's at least probably out for the Bruins game for sure. If not the rest of the week, they play at home against Washington on Saturday. Uh, th- this is kind of the wave that Talbot has provided you throughout this season he, he's been a little streaky he, he got off to a poor start for the first few weeks of the season then he got really hot and they kind of regered he kind of regressed back to who he was at the beginning of the year um i, I think they'll have to figure out pretty damn quick if kapo cockney is a sustainable player that they can rely on as a backup goalie because number one he's gonna play on thursday regardless He might even play again on saturday against the capitals they called up andrew hammond the hamburgler uh from iowa who was a a, a he had a decent run with Ottawa like five years ago, and he actually is, was playing well in the AHL. So you, you could call him up for a spot spot start, and he'd play okay. But I think Bill Guerin will realize pretty quickly if he has to address another veteran goaltender on the on the trade market if he has to do so, because they'll have to rely on Capo. Like they're not going to just turn it over to Andrew Hammond, who hasn't barely played in the NHL in the last few years. They'll figure out pretty quick if Capo Kakin can take those rays and run with it
2: does uh what's this other guy's name the hamburgler
1: mm-hmm. Andrew Hammond yeah, does was, he have
0: like a hamburglar helmet I think he did in ottawa i i i think, that would be amazing. It's a long time ago, Phil, but I think that I think that when so so he stepped into the into the net for the senators like Dex said like five years back and he got incredibly hot and was playing great and I think he might have had one yes, every he, time he
1: he did I, have
2: one. Okay. Every time he makes a save, like an impressive save that freezes the puck, he needs to like
1: pull a cheeseburger out of his little like he needs a sash or something. So as they, long as pull the- a
2: cheeseburger out, take a, take
1: a bite, put it back in.
0: They did throw burgers
1: on the ice one time in Ottawa. Okay, that's that, a, that's, that, that, that's a that's an amazing feat. But yes, they did they did do that.
0: As long as we n- never have to be subjected to doobs again, I'm fine with whatever
1: doobs. <laughs> no, nothing's happened with doobs. I
0: wouldn't worry about doobs. No. So, all right. so the hockey. No, whisper it's the cheer. It's a chant. Yeah. No. No. The character. whisper. The whisper has a legit concern there. Okay. I'm gonna. Uh,
2: tell you. All right. I think it's it's time for the return of random season recall here on Mackey and Jeb, where Declan goes back in the archives of Minnesota sports seasons and puts our knowledge to the test. All right. All right, fellas. A lot of obscure, like mid 2000s wild seasons lately, I mm-hmm. feel like. Mm-hmm. I think that was the last one Don't right? Don't be afraid to go early 90s, 80s, too. You know, Judd, Judd was born in the 60s.
1: Yeah. So. I, I def- I'll have to start leaning out. I have a whole little spreadsheet of, of all the random seasons we do so I don't end up repeating one. Um, but yes, we'll have to dip into some 90s and 80s. Judd's Judd North Star's performance in the 80s, I thought was going to retire this segment because it was that damn impressive. I thought we were even going to retire it right then and there. However, we're going back to the gridiron. We're going to the 2002 Minnesota Vikings. Is where we'll start okay. here today on random season recall, and as we always start with the win totals. How many wins for those 2002 Minnesota Vikings? All right, so discussing a Uh five and eleven.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. Tyson's first team. Mm-hmm. F- final answer.
1: Five and eleven. They say 2002 Vikings. <laughs> that is not correct.
2: Oh shoot! I'm sorry. That. Buzzer was impressive.
1: It was what was the, that buzzer? It was the uh, different buzzer? There we go. Buzzer. There we go. No, but I mean that. I'm sorry. Hold on. A second. That
0: buzzer was more immediate. What's going on here? So, the buzzers changed. Phil was off. What's going on? So, okay, wait. so
2: they went. So they went to the NFC Championship
0: game in 2000, and then 2001 was that. Yeah, and he the got 511? fired. So that was five. Oh, Oh yeah, yeah, that was okay. So this is Tice's first full year. So Tice finished out. He coached the last game in two thousand one after De- after Dan got fired, uh, which as Patrick said was twenty years ago today. So, so six and ten. It was like six. So, and six yeah, because it wasn't because because oh three is the Nate Pool game.
2: Yeah, where, where they, they were competitive out. in oh three, oh four, oh five. But they weren't competitive in two thousand two, right? No. So six and ten. Then I don't think it was worse than five and eleven. Pretty sure it was. 6-10. No. No, and no. 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 Yes.
0: Okay, six and ten. I might have flip-flopped those seasons. Six and ten. Six and ten. Yeah, six and ten. I think that's right. Six and ten. Now, Phil, to put this into context, just quickly, I believe this is the year that Ticey went for two against the Saints. Culpepper dropped the ball, picked it up, and scored. So that was the first time uh... a
2: team had ever gone for two for the win. And and, uh, analytically,
0: Ticey was way ahead of the ball game. He was, man. Yep.
1: Uh, who led the team in total yards that season? Quarterbacks not included. Dante's not included. No, sure, in sure. sure,
2: Well, Michael Bennett would. He had a big season in here. Like before, because at some point Mo Williams and Ontario Smith they were like a three-headed monster. But that was like maybe o three o four. I'm pretty sure Michael Bennett had a like a thousand yard or twelve hundred yard rushing season and probably caught some passes. Yeah. Randy Moss. This would have been peak Randy Moss now- as
0: well. Now, when did when did Moss start to battle some injuries? That was a couple of years after this, right? Oh, yeah. four is when he missed a chunk of the season. And Dante was so good in oh four. 2 and 0-3, he was still okay. Very much peak Randy. It's is it more logical that Bennett would have been the guy though because he 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 would have had the multi-purpose yards that Randy wouldn't have had. I I feel like you're you might be right yeah. about that.
2: It's probably close between the two. So Randy, I'm trying to think of uh, the yardage is all blurred together, but he was constantly 12, 13, 1,500 yards, right? Yep. In the air and Michael but, Bennett, I think had a twelve hundred yard season. And they caught some on passes. the ground. Would he have caught three or four hundred yards worth of passes? Probably. It was probably close. It's very coin flippy
0: here. Three guesses, right? Yeah. For this. Okay. Well, my, yeah. let's uh, Michael, Michael Bennett. Bennett. Michael Bennett.
1: Michael Bennett. Mm-hmm. Michael Bennett. Yeah. Michael Bennett. Yeah, that was uh, good. Sixteen hundred all. Sixteen hundred forty-seven all-purpose Cotsy yards. Passes. Yeah. Wow. And he yeah. had a really good
0: year. And at mm-hmm. some point in time, shortly after this, I believe is when he ran on the treadmill and broke his foot, and things that, started.
2: That's how he broke his foot. Yeah, treadmill.
1: <laughs> gotta work that elliptical. Yeah, you do. I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, All right, Randy was Moss was first in receptions, but which wide receiver had the second most receptions on this 2002 Vikings team?
0: Okay, this is the first year Chris Carter's gone, right? I think Chris Carter's gone yeah, at this point. He might time. have been with the dolphin Dolphins. Season. Yeah, and and he got fat and came back here. Um Jake Reed was gone. Yeah. Okay,
2: there's so, some, there this is this is like this is before Don't just count a tight Nate end Erleson. No, that's a wide, we I, this, I,
1: I'm going wide receiver. I want a okay, wide, wide receiver. receiver. Yep. Okay, cool, cool. All
0: right, I think uh man. This this could be this could be difficult. Um so yeah, no Jake Reed, no Chris Carter. Um Tice, who would they have brought in and Red was cheap.
2: I'm trying to think know. of who the this before, is before draft It's before Nate Burleson. Yep. It's after Matthew Hatchett. It's before Kelly Campbell.
0: When right? oh, Okay, I'm. I'm gonna throw out a name and ask when he got here. When did Marcus Robinson arrive? That was
2: Childress, wasn't it? No, no it was late. No, late it Tice. was Tice and
0: Childress cut his ass. I think Marcus Robinson
2: day. wasn't he with the Bears at this time? I think so. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So I'm trying. I'm. <sighs> okay, another name that comes to mind
0: from this era is yep. Dwayne Bates, another former Bear. Yes, they signed they signed a slew of slappies. Slappies through the years. Um and yes, I think Dwayne, I think Dwayne Bates was cuz
2: Yep. There was like one year where Dwayne Dwayne Bates was like the number 2
0: receiver but not But really. Moss gave you well <laughs> and Moss drew coverage so that mm-hmm. that guy actually <clears throat> might have been decent. Um Yeah, let's start with with Dwayne Bates cuz I think you're right. I think Marcus Marcus Robinson, I think, is still in Chicago at this point. And Dwayne okay. Bates, this is around the time that Dwayne Bates did play for them.
2: And I don't think Marcus Robinson played with Randy Moss. Okay, that's very possible too. Thought he came, well, maybe, I thought he came along in 05. So uh, just he might have. Corin Robinson did too is before Corin. All right, Dwayne yep, Bates.
1: Dwayne Bates, final guess. Yep. No!
2: Yeah! Oh! Oh! Wow.
1: 50 nice, receptions. Dude for Dwayne Bates. Nice. Shut it down. 80 Shut targets. it down. Nice. Dwayne Work. Bates. Nice little, Dwayne Bates. Oh, nice little year. 50 grabs, 689 well, yeah, yards, four touchdowns. Single coverage. Yeah. That's all I got.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't worried about Dwayne Bates beating him.
1: Uh, a couple over-unders involving Dante Culpepper here. Okay. Dante Culpepper over-under 20 fumbles that season in 2002. See, we did a similar one like two months ago, and and we mixed up the fumble seasons. You yes. did like 3 or
2: something. Or oh one, one Did we get it wrong? I think we got yeah. it wrong. We did.
1: What was the over-under here? 20. Over-under, 20 fumbles.
2: Can we... I'm going to say over. Over, yeah. I think it was it... like 20. I'm going to say it was like 23 fumbles. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: 23 fumbles for Phil Matthews. Oh,
0: Oh, there it is.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: That's remarkable.
1: Let's get it. It was a that lot.
0: Absolutely remarkable.
1: That's so many fumbles. It's so many fun- I, I don't know how I how? don't know if those were lost. It just like Pro Football references shows fumbles, no. so I'm not sure all of them were lost necessarily, but still he no. dropped the ball 23 times.
0: Well, he dro- yeah, he dropped the ball on a two-point conversion tiny and hands. still scored.
1: Yeah. His little, his little tiny hands Burger King commercial. Uh Dante Culpepper over under 25 interceptions that season.
2: I it's under. I I, I I don't think he ever threw more than 25 interceptions, did he? Did he? Dante, they might have. And he certainly, he wouldn't have, would he have accounted for 50-ish fumbles and interceptions in one year? That's like three a game. It's got to be under.
0: All right. He threw a lot of picks, but it's got to be under. Yeah, this is, I'm I'm uncertain
1: on this one. Okay, we'll go with under. Yes. It was under, but 23. That's... Oh, my so God. 46. So he had 23
2: picks and 23 right. fumbles.
0: <laughs> well, he didn't lose. I mean, and I guess right. he didn't lose but all of the fumbles. So.
2: That is yes, a he, he accounted Markable. for a He tried to turn the ball over 46 times. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, man.
0: I love me some Dante. But. The amazing.
1: Madden curse. This was the Madden curse year, too. He was on the cover, and, and then he had a bad year. It was a Madden curse year.
0: Can you imagine if, if you did that now, like, you'd be benched so quickly? Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't bench him, though, because his yeah. upside
1: was revealed in the following two seasons all right uh last one here four players had at least 70 tackles can you give me three of them okay uh
0: kevin williams is was, he was not on this team correct nope. Nope. i think he's drafted no three um okay so like greg greg beekert would have been on this team right yes greg yep greg B. Uh, Jeff Brady was gone, right? Yeah, I think so. By this point in time, because he was a linebacker as well. Um, Would EJ
2: Henderson have been on this
0: team? No, I think no. He was drafted after, and keep keep in mind he didn't even really because um, '04 is the year he struggled so much, and then he reemerges as an outside linebacker in 5 okay. Um
2: Let's put let's throw Beekert out there just to get one. Beekert, I'm pretty sure this is a yep, Beekert, that's Great yeah. Beekert season, yeah.
1: He led the team with 101 tackles. Okay. Um, he was first in tackles. Who,
2: uh,
0: who are with the safeties Ro- here? Uh, Brian Russell? Um, yeah, I think Brian Russell, because he then picked off Favre a couple times in the 03 opener. That, that's I was going to say, is Robert Griffith gone by now? I think he is gone. I think so. Because he was on the 98 team, so I don't think he was around anymore. It's before Antoine Winfield got there. He got there in 04. Yep. Um Russell's, Russell's a, a good guess. Defensive lineman here. Who would have been the, the primaries? Was La- was was Lance Johnstone who was, but he Easy. was more of a pass a rush specialist guy. I don't think he would have got accounted for enough tackles. John was Randall the, was
2: gone, wasn't he? By now he was like with the yes, Seahawks or something.
0: Yes, okay. yes. Who was in the middle of this line then? Hovan. Chris Hovan. Yes. Chris Hovan. Yes, dude. Let's go with Chris Hovan. Chris, Chris Hovan, Hovan, official
1: guess. Yep. <laughs> 52 tackles really? for Hovan. Really? Five and a half sacks. Nice little year. Let's go Brian Russell. Okay. Brian Russell. Yep. Just 24 tackles for Brian Russell. He played sparingly on, that wait, year.
0: Hold on. Re- reset. Hard reset. Who the hell was on this team?
2: <laughs> this defense was pretty bad.
1: Here's, yeah. here, I'll tell you this. So you got, you got yeah. Beekert, who was a linebacker. The other three players, one's a safety... One's a cornerback, one's a defensive end. Trying
0: to think of the defensive ends. Have we named either of? Have, have we? Have we?
1: You haven't said any of these players.
0: No. Okay, that helps out. That, mm-hmm. Okay, so so
1: Ky- was
2: Kylie Wong.
1: I
0: love. So we're
2: looking name. for a safety. Oh, I'm sorry, a safety, a cornerback, and a
1: defensive Ty end. Wong
0: was a was a linebacker. He was linebacker. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Defensive, and we haven't named them. Any of them? Hold or- on. Hold on a second. Who is the, who the defensive ends? So John, so Johnstone didn't start. He was a pa- yeah, it was way before. He was a pass rush specialist. So
1: who who started at end? Two of these names, I think, epitomize random season recall. One you're missing. That's obvious, in my opinion. Okay. Two thousand two safeties. Obvious. Uh,
0: Orlando
2: Thomas was he. That was more like that, late 90s. Yeah,
0: it, it was late 90s. It was Denny. I don't remember him still being around, but that doesn't mean you're not right.
1: Robert <laughs> Griffith?
0: We yes. said Robert Griffith, and Declan said we haven't mentioned anybody, so it's not. I think he's he's definitely gone by now. Um, who the hell played safety on this team other than... Other than Brian Russell? Russell was... Oh, oh um... There's got to be some veterans that we're missing. Some some tight. There's, uh, like,
2: Sirwanga. Chris, Chris Dishman was a corner. That was when was Monday the, was Night Miracle? Like yeah,
0: 2000. The Monday was- Marica, was 2000. My God, Dex, did did you say that we're missing a cornerback, or did you just say a safety?
1: I said a safety, a cornerback, and a defensive end. And one of these okay. players is very obvious, and you, and you haven't even floated his name.
0: Oh, I feel like we're choking. Um, we're choking a little bit. Um, an obvious name from the Vikings early 2000s. People are right now screaming at their telephones or whatever. they on their TCL TVs. Their TCL TVs because we're morons and they're not. Um, Hovan. Okay. Damn it.
2: I'm trying to think of the defensive line here. John Stone,
0: Hovan. John Stone keeps coming to mind, but, he, you're, but you nailed it. He was a third down guy. Um, I'm shocked Hovan didn't get in this mix. Me too. Um, One of them's obvious. Obvious.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of stumped here, man. I don't. Hen-
1: was Henry Thomas still there? It's a safety. You know. the, the obvious one's a safety. Okay, okay, okay. It's before Sharper got there.
0: Yeah, it's Yeah. Shar- Sharper was in Green started. Bay at this point. Still had a mm-hmm. few years left there.
2: Who's the, obvious, who's the obvious safety? Orlando Thomas? It's not Orlando No,
0: Thomas. no we've said Thomas. And Declan didn't bite at all, so I don't think that's it. Um,
2: yeah, I, I mean, we have, we have to shut. Was there a vet,
0: no. Was there a veteran safety that they brought in? Dex, is this a draft pick or a vet or like a guy that was a veteran?
1: He was brought in <clears throat> that season after four years in Arizona.
0: Oh, Corey Chavis!
1: There you go. <laughs> Corey Chavis. Corey Chavis. Okay. Corey Chavis. Holy cow. I got got nothing, man. The other other two, I'll be honest. I I know the defensive end, I don't know this corner. I've never heard of this cornerback. So Corey Chavis was second with 83 tackles. Third on the team in tackles was cornerback Eric Kelly. Oh, yeah.
0: I I remember him, but I would never never have gotten that one.
1: And then fourth on the team in tackles was left defensive end Kenny Mixon.
0: Oh yeah, no,
1: I random I wouldn't. season I, recall that yeah. is like that is the epitome well, of random season recall.
0: <laughs> when the names aren't when the names aren't going through my mind though, it's so r- random that I had no
1: opportunity oh there. So, like right,
0: I remember well, both so those names a, now that you say them, but I would never have gotten. Kind them. of I I don't random. even feel wow. bad. Wow. Corey yeah, Chambers might feel bad. I, I we should have gotten.
2: That was a very 2003 Vikings, yeah. like, like where we, we were hot, 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 and then yeah, we just kind of six faltered and at the end. Yeah.
0: And then we lost to the Giants, and Red's like, you guys suck. And we're like, what, Red, bad. what do we do? That was really bad.
2: So, all right, well, that's random season recall here. I think uh, we kind of fought to a stalemate there uh, with Declan coming back at the end. tomorrow, write that down predictions and an accountability session here on Mackie and Judd. See you guys.